Hey, folks, in this episode of the podcast, I get to sit down with my friend, New York City-based photographer, Mr. Jesse Dittmar. We're going to be talking about his experiences shooting celebrities and Dr. Fauci. This is Twitter. Jesse, welcome to the podcast, man. How's it going out there in New York City? A beautiful day. Fall is the best time to be in New York City, Frederick. Uh, I'm, is it? I'm really happy to be talking to you. This is the time of year that New York is, you know, I think of New York as kind of a black and white city. Like when I go there, it feels like everywhere you aim your camera wants to be black and white for some reason. I don't know why, but this time uh, of year. beautiful in those tones, man. It's yeah. Beautiful, beautiful oh. in the black and white tones. I love it. I love it. Yeah, this time of year, though, it's uh, there's, you know, the changing of the seasons, a little color in there, some browns, some yellows, all that. Right. What little what little green there is will be turning <laughs> yellow and brown. Central Park, soon. man. Central Park. Yeah. Those far, Central Park how, photos are going to be happening. How far mm. are you from Central Park? Are you uh, are you in the vicinity? I'm down in Dumbo. So uh, I'm I'm right across the water from uh, from lower Manhattan. It's a beautiful view down here. Uh, love this space. Uh, but And one of the great things about being down in Dumbo, one of the great things about New York City is that you're a quick subway ride away from most things. So I could get up to Central Park in like 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's, it's really convenient. It's a great city to get around. So you end up, you end up in Dumbo, if you cross the Brooklyn Bridge, you're, you're right in there. Dumbo. You're right in Dumbo. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, I was staying in Times Square once and I, you know, did my little tourist walk, you know, walk to uh, the Freedom Towers and then sure. wandered around and ended up at the Brooklyn Bridge. So, I have, of course, yeah. I had to walk across the Brooklyn Bridge and ended up Absolutely. in Dumbo. Did that shot of the bridge back into the city. Yeah. You know, yeah so. Yeah, it's a beautiful walk. Right. I recommend anyone to take it. I mean, especially I'd recommend people to take it early on a weekend morning because as soon as it hits like nine o'clock is just it's hard to walk on the bridge i mean it's so packed these it days was, it was packed. Um, yeah. but if you get there really really early uh you not only will get better light but you also have more of an intimate experience yeah yeah it was good it was good yeah i walked over there and then i had a plane literally had a plane to catch so i had the you know i called an uber or a lyft or yeah. whatever to come get me and take me back to the hotel and then off to oh you were zigzagging i was zigzagging i was all over the place well let's let's dive into the topic of this episode which is the you know obviously it's going to sit around your your core what are your core expertises which is photographing people of note and celebrities and politicians and those ilk of people. It seems like you're on the speed dial whenever someone needs a photo set of those kinds of people. They call Jesse Dittmar in New York City. So I want to I talk about that first and how you found your way into that niche of being on the speed dial for these organizations that need those photos. How did, how did you get there? How did you go from you know, GWC or guy with camera, if you were ever that, right, to yeah. a, one of the most sought after photographers in New York. How'd you get there? Well, everyone starts person with camera, right? Everyone, everyone <laughs> starts, uh, everyone starts there, no matter where you are. Uh, and so I started there too. I just started pretty young. I mean, especially since it was pretty much pre-digital. Uh, I was, I was right on the transition there. So uh, I started shooting when I was in my teens and I really took to it and, and then I got infatuated with the people that do this 
the best in the the best people in the world that do this. Uh, at the time, it was Avedon, Annie Leibovitz. Uh, I got I looked at these books and I said, "Wow, how how does this happen? How are these how are these people taking these amazing pictures of people that I know are important in in the world?" Uh, and so my kind of my life up until now has been a a relatively straight path on figuring out how to do that. And, uh, and every single step of the way was more of a confirmation uh, that this was something I was interested in and something I really wanted to do. I, I went to school for photography and then I, I interned and assisted these photographers ending up assisting Annie Leibovitz and, and assisting uh, like dozens and dozens of photographers that do what I do in New York city uh, and learned how to make it happen at that point. And I've just been really driven and focused and I've been really focused on making my craft and really focused on being good at what I do and preparing to be lucky. Basically, yeah. uh, you know, eventually you get the call. Uh, if, if you, if you work really hard and you push and you push and you push, someone will give you an opportunity eventually if your work is good and then you need to prepare, you need to be prepared to capitalize on that, on that opportunity, on the, on that luck of, uh, of someone, responding to your email basically that happened to me in 2014 and it's been a pretty it's been a pretty amazing career since then yeah who who was the first who was the first big name that you that you had the opportunity to aim your camera i photographed uh, adina menzel the uh frozen and uh and wicked uh broadway actress for the washington yeah. post that was one of my first uh photo shoot first first celebrity photo shoots and then i photographed sharon jones uh the late the late singer uh right after that and it kind of all of a sudden the floodgates opened i went from i went from quitting assisting uh a cold turkey uh my last shoot was in the white house with the obamas and uh, i never assisted after it was the fourth time i met obama i was like i got it. i got it. i know how to set up a c-stand for for obama uh <laughs> and uh and I, I quit cold turkey, deleting 90% of my income, 95% of my income in one day. And I went pretty much two years, almost two years without really having a job which, because I wanted to be a photographer. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then all of a sudden I, I was trying, trying to get work. And uh, all of a sudden I got asked to photograph Adina for the Post. And then I got asked to photograph Mike Myers for the Times and Sharon Jones for the Village Voice. And all of a sudden... There was a bunch of different people that started to connect with what I was doing. And I had, you know, I think it was 80, 80 photo shoots or something in that first year. Um, 80? Going from zero. Eight zero? Yeah. 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 <laughs> going from you zero. You do realize they're, they're allegedly only 365 days in yeah. the year, right? <laughs> I'm shooting a lot. Yeah. Shooting one, what is it, once every four, four days or so? Yeah. Um, uh, it was it was a lot, but it was exactly what I wanted to do, yeah. and I got you know. You have to really. I think I think you have to be super. You have to be committed. The the what we do is so sought after. People people want to. People love the idea of taking portraits, and they love the idea of taking portraits of people of note. It's something that a lot of people want to do. So you have to, you have to be completely committed. Uh, you have to be one hundred percent committed, and and it's hard to. Um, it's it's hard for people to really understand what that means. I think um, it, it means being a workaholic in, in the beginning. It means working work. It's not really work for me, but it, it means pushing 
harder than you would expect. I, I, mean, I had a great story with uh, a really good friend of mine who turned into a really big photo agent and now now works at Apple as a, I don't know, some head of something. Uh, <laughs> she's amazing. And, and I remember showing her my little list of outreach when I was uh, when I was like 22 or something uh, right out of college. And it was, I was like so excited. I had like, oh, I had these 50 people and, and I, I reach out to them consistently. And, and like, these are the people I want to work with. And she looked at it and like, kind of like laughed at me a little and was like, this, this needs to literally be a hundred times bigger. <laughs> this mm. needs to be 5,000 people to like, to 20,000 people. This is not like, you're not going to get asked to work if you're just focusing on 50 people. And that's when I realized like, oh, this is a lot, this needs to be a lot bigger and more robust than I'm imagining. Um, and once once that happened and I kind of scaled up my, my process and, and my goals and my understanding of what I needed to do in order to get work as a photographer, um, I was able to focus and, and get some opportunities. Yeah. And dialing in. What, what does that look like on a on a like on a shoot basis? You know, I want to segue this into one of your more recent shoots with with doc, the, the controversial or not controversial Dr. Fauci. Right. I don't know um, why it's controversial. And it really may, it really confuses me. But uh, I, it confuses me, too. Oh, like, how he dare is. you talk when about those, science <laughs> when those uh, when those images came out? I mean, I, I never got more Twitter alerts and it was just all right wing or I don't even know if you want to call it right wing. It was all crazy people like just taking my photos and memeing them. Oh. Uh, it, it was very strange. I was I had to turn my notifications off. I was like, what is, what is going on here? Really? Uh, he's, yeah. he's just I can't imagine. Job. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And that that's what it is. Regardless of what your politics are, there's there's this person here that's doing their job, a medical professional who I think, not, and I don't want to make this a political discussion, but who yeah. I think is, you know, when we were in the heat in the beginning of COVID, everyone's freaked out, you know, washing your mail and you couldn't buy Lysol in the stores. Remember all that? So, and there's this one, yeah, there's one person that's saying, hey, okay, this is what we know right now. And this yeah. is what you should probably do. We're not sure, but try, you know, and, and the vitriol and hate yeah. and just, you know, talk about shooting the messages. Like I was watching, I, this reminded me of this, um, game of the, the what is it the house of the dragon or whatever game of thrones yeah, yeah the new show yeah yeah really so I, was, I was watching one of the episodes and this messenger yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the messenger yeah. brings the talking. guy you know some bad news or whatever and then he just wails on him yeah, right yeah, yeah. just yeah. picks up a helmet and just wails on him for bringing him the that bad news bad. And I was like, that's Fauci right there, right? That's Fauci is that messenger that got, that got and continues to get in some ways wailed on for bringing a message, right? For, for regardless of politics, what's interest, what, what what's most important to me about Fauci is that he is affecting our culture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether you, regardless of the spectrum, uh, I, I love I love people like Fauci because when I take a picture of, of Fauci and I take a good portrait of Fauci, I'm going to get no middle of the road response. No, like, oh, it's either going to be that guy is the devil or that guy is awesome. And your picture is awesome or your picture is horrible. 
And I, I love those responses. I love, I love photographing and making art that makes people want to talk and makes people want to have a conversation and gets people going. Uh, so th even though I have my opinions about him and, and there's certainly, there's a lot of gratitude and, and I think overall, like he's a pretty remarkable guy. Uh, I think that's irrelevant to my job as a portrait photographer. Uh, and if anything, I'm going into a shoot as a portrait photographer, trying not to bring those preconceived notions of who this person is. I mean, I would photograph, I photographed Fauci. I would photograph Trump tomorrow if I got, if I got yeah. asked to, right. Um, right. I'd photograph Putin tomorrow if I got asked to, uh, right. it's, it, 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 I don't need to agree or disagree with someone in order, in order to take their portrait and make art of them. Uh, so I was just excited because I knew that's my goal. My goal is to take pictures of people who are affecting our culture, affecting our world. And you couldn't ask for someone m more consequential in the, in, in what's been going on in the last two years than Dr. Fauci. So I was super excited. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then on the other side of the spectrum, one of I think the last time we spoke or before was um, you had just come off of a shoot with Roger Stone, which yeah. again another polarizing character yeah. for different reasons, go. right? And opposite and end of the spectrum, you know, the I opposite. I don't, I don't discriminate on who I'm taking pictures of. You I'm, don't. You don't. I'm really, like, I'm like really just complete, complete. Yeah. So wait, compare and contrast there. Yeah, you know, what was. The the Roger Stone shoot you did in his apartment in New York. Yeah. Compare and contrast that shoot, your experiences from a photographer standpoint with the with the Fauci shoot. Were they similar? Fauci, did you have more time Fauci on was, one? Um, Fauci was done at his home, so so they both were in people's homes. I mean, both in the subjects' homes. Um, mm -hmm. I honestly handled them very similarly. I I I, I don't go into these shoots with too dramatic of a difference in how I'm going to, um, my, my goal is to walk away with a portrait of how I see this person and try to also make them a person because what people do with Fauci and with Roger Stone is, is, and what more specifically Roger Stone does with himself is, is characterize. I don't know if that's a word, but they, they, they make themselves caricatures or the, or the media does for them in Fauci's case. Um, and, and I'm trying to cut through that. I think that that's, um, what, what is most poignant to me for both Roger Stone and Fauci is that they're both just, guys they're both like kind of the same they're both old guys yeah, <laughs> and yeah. uh and yeah when i was hanging out with roger stone for a few hours i was like this guy is weird and something something's happening here um mm -hmm. and and so there, there was, there's definitely differences there um but when he, i've met a lot of people that are considered saintly or devil-ish <laughs> and uh when you meet them in person you often find some sort of middle tone mm. and uh and it's a lot a lot more human and and i don't know the word uh it, it, it just it isn't as charged 
as as you'd expect. And I like that. And I like to get to know the person because when I ask questions to Fauci or Roger Stone, I'm trying to get to know them in order to inform the portrait I'm going to take. Um, and that doesn't have a whole lot to do with, you know, what a Netflix documentary made them look like or blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, for sure. It, you know, I would imagine, and I, I don't, I've shot or photographed exactly zero celebrities, you know. Well, I've been photographed with them, but I've never photographed them. And I, you know, I have to think that when you're when you're on a shoot like that, much like you know, shooting a quote normal person, you it seems like you would have to find some common ground with them, you know, to kind of break yeah. the ice and have that conversation. But then, like, if I'm just shooting some you know, a dude, right? Or a woman or, a, you know, a portrait of some sort. You have that sort of break the ice conversation. It's, I got to imagine it's different with a celebrity whom they know that they're a person of note. They know that, you know, these photographs, you know, are going to tell the story about them. So there's a, a higher level of import on the photos than for someone just going to hang it in their their office. How do you approach that? How do you approach that that conversation, that break the ice piece of it with somebody, you know, that's that's such a, a big influence on, you know, the zeitgeist of the country or the world? You, you approach it by. By not letting it affect you, hmm. uh, you if you go into the interaction being like, oh my God, it's Fauci. What am I going to do? He's going to feel that. And you know what's going to make him feel like a normal guy is if you're normal and treat him like a normal guy. And uh, that's the the unusual interaction for them. I I think that if you... I know that if you went into a situation photographing a celebrity and you treated them like a celebrity, like you, like you believe that they are special in the way that you talk to them, they're going to get that look upon their face when someone comes up to to them on the street and is like, Oh my God, I loved you in X and Mm -hmm. will you take a selfie with me? And they go into their little, this is how I deal with people like this. This is how I, this is how, this is the face and the mood and the look I have to get on my, and my, the, the mood I have to get in, the, the embodiment I have to, to, to show in order to get through this scenario. I don't want that. Um, I want to, I want to know what they're like when, when they're not like that. And so therefore, if anything, the more famous they are, the more normal I will try to treat them. And so with Fauci, you know, we were just talking about basketball. You mean, that was pretty much it, you know, basketball and grandkids. And, uh, and, and we were talking about mortgage rates and, uh, and buying houses, uh, you know, owning homes. And uh, we're talking about hiking in the woods. We didn't, we, we kept the, any discussion of anything that would have to do with coronavirus was very minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, Good. I was curious about some of his, some of his work stuff, you know, I was curious, but, but I didn't want to, um, it, it makes sense. You know, you, 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 
you get asked the same questions over and over and over again when you're Fauci. You get asked the same questions over and over and over again when you're Roger Stone or said said the same things. Um, when you're any of these famous people, it's the same thing over and over and over again because you have so many people in the world who know you are who you are for a specific thing, and therefore they're all kind of asking you about the same thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and therefore, as a human, you get used to figuring out what's the best answer for that. And to me, that's not those aren't very interesting portraits when people are in those head spaces. Uh, what's more interesting is when they're in a when they're in a kind of more inquisitive and curious and focused place, uh, which is hard for them to get to when, when you get into autopilot. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You're, you're saying this is sort of the, the break the ice mode at the beginning of the shoot that it reminds me a lot of like not a complete direct analogy, but in high school, right. When you're, you're trying to date this attractive person, whatever. And the best way to, to, to not appear like everybody else is trying to date that attractive person is to not acknowledge that they're attractive and go down that road, right? Kind of like with celebrities, right? Don't, I, I feel like the, and not, of course, coming from a position of no authority, but approaching a celebrity and talking, like you said, doing the whole fan, fan adoration thing was probably a negative. But if you approach them like a normal person, it seems like that might be more flattering to them as, hey, this person knows that I am, you know, whatever celebrity and I've done all this work, of course, because I'm famous, but they've acknowledged that and they're still just sort of talking to me as a normal person about normal things. It's got to be a breath of fresh air, which I think would let them let their hair down a little bit when you yeah. do get behind the camera and start well, clicking. It's far more interesting anyways. Yeah. I mean, these are all classic. I mean, I like, I feel like people talk about this stuff all the time. It's like, you, you, if you treat, if you treat them like an equal, they'll treat you like you're they're equal. And mm-hmm. if you treat them like, you know, them like a person, like, you know, their friends don't go, Hey, Hey, Tony, I saw you on CNN last night. Like, what the hell were you talking about or whatever? Like they don't even talk about it. They're like, Hey, how's your day? Like, did you read the paper? Like what's beautiful weather out? You know, you're just talking to them like a normal person. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you talk to them, like, like you're there, you're there to, to, to do a job. And, and if you're confident and, uh, and direct in that, uh, you will, you will find you get, people responding in positive ways. And that's the, that's the, the, I think that's the rub. We were talking about it, right? And being all kind of nonchalant and matter of fact about it. But in the moment, like if you're, especially if it's a celebrity that you are, that you're a fan of, right? Yeah. And I, I, and I can take me into that world. Like it's somebody that you've been watching since you were 12. Yeah. And then, yeah. How do you, how do you break through that and be normal with somebody who you genuinely are nervous and excited to be around? Um, well, it helps that I'm, I'm there to take portraits and yeah. that you got something uh, to preoccupy I have something you. that needs to be done. Um, but, but no doubt it's difficult. I mean, a lot of this experience I get, I, it, it bothers me so much less than it used to. Um, it's, it's, so experience helps for someone who's inexperienced. It's practice, you know, it's like speed dating, go speed date. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to practice how to how to how to have conversations with celebrities over a 15 minute photo shoot, because that's all you're doing. You're having a conversation with someone for 15 minutes while you're taking their picture. So what are you ta- what are you going to talk to them about? Um, don't don't watch their movies. Don't don't listen to their music. Don't don't do don't watch, consume their content uh, to influence because who knows what they're going to be when they wake up that morning, you know, if they're going to be in a good mood or a bad mood or had their coffee or not, or, uh, you know, maybe the thing that you love them in happened 25 years ago. I mean, I can't even remember what I did 10 days ago, regardless of 25 years ago. So, uh, you know, you just have to go in there and try to make yourself as blank a slate as possible and try to be as present as possible with the person that's in front of you. Um, that's not to say you shouldn't do your research. I do tons of research. So I have an advantage of when I go into a room with someone, I, I have some ideas I know of what I could talk about that they might be interested in, whether that's where they're from or what their family's like, if they're married, if they have kids, where they went to college or school, or uh, if they're into specific sports teams or hobbies or art, or uh, if they're interested in certain TV shows or books, if I can find out anything like that, that's great for me to know. So I know I can be prepared to be able to speak about those uh, topics uh, as if I'm educated in them and confident in them, which I typically am. And because I'm a generalist myself, so I'm 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 into all those things, sports, art, movie, movies, music, politics, uh, <clears throat> you know, general family life, uh, things that I'm happy to talk about. Um, So I do my research, but I'm I'm not looking up uh, trivia for, uh, you know, what Denzel Washington ate on the set of training day or something before I photographed him or if I or telling him that I loved him in X or Y or Z. uh, Because I find that those again, saying those things to people gets them into this like fake smile. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Um, Let's get this conversation over with mode. And it feels like, you know, as a noob in that, it feels like that would be the knee jerk reaction for a newer photographer that are starting out in that genre. Like, oh, it's a celebrity. This they do this for a living. Of course, they want to be acknowledged that, you know, you think they're great. So let me shower them with adoration. (laughs) Excuse me. But that's the wrong way to go. Right. You know, you want to. I I mean, for the the most part, it's it's good. I definitely will sometimes say that, you know, I really like what you do. I think you're great at whatever it is that you do. Um, it, it depends. It depends on the mode. It depends on the mood. depends on so many things. I, I don't go in. That's the thing. I think, I think going in, being able to read the room is super important. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I've, I've had people told me, tell me before someone's walked in, like, Hey, this person, you should tell this person you like their stuff. Hmm. And so then guess what I'm going to do? I'll, I'll do that. (laughs) Um, but then I, and, but I'm not, I'm not going to live by any super hard and fast rules because not every person's the same. So, uh, I need to be there to be able to be present and be able to speak. Even, even thinking about people's hobbies, like, you know, I've, I've been photographing people that I've read are like super charitable and like super into their, uh, 
in into their nonprofit organizations that they help. And I've been in situations. I remember this one guy specifically where I just started. It was like, oh, you know, I, I do I do this work for a nonprofit, and he just gave me this blank stare, like what's a nonprofit? And, <laughs> and you're like, all right, got to pivot off that conversation. Like that's not going to work. So you just, you just have to be prepared uh, to, to be flexible and, and to meet the person that you're, you're, that's sitting in front of you. You just can't know what they're going to be like, even if you've seen them on TV for hundreds of hours, because that's, you know, they're acting or, or they're in Fauci's respect, they're doing their own job. That's might, might be different than who they are when they're in a room, not working. Yeah. Uh, so you just have to really be flexible. Yeah, it's so it's so interesting. Like on the it, pivoting to to discussion about Fauci and the Fauci shoot, you mentioned just a few minutes ago that like you may have fifteen minutes or so with a person, sometimes longer, but fifteen minutes. Like how do you how do you get in there, break the ice, you know, do the shoot, do all the things that you need to do to come up with an iconic image of one of these celebrities. And many of your images are iconic. How how are you able to get in there? Is it is it research, you know, and you go in and you know, okay, I have a sketch of the shot that I need to nail and I only have this many minutes to do it? Or I don't know, is it just that, that special Dittmar magic that you go in there and you know that, hey, I'm just going to do it, knock it out, have a quick chat, take some shots, and I'm going to Starbucks? Like, how do you? I cer <laughs> you certainly have to have that attitude uh, outwardly. Uh, inside, I'm, a, uh, I'm an insane, anxious wreck. Uh, <laughs> and uh, how we do it is is through preparation, preparation, preparation. We're we're getting into these spaces well before our subjects. We're taking tests. We're deciding we're gonna. Go. It's like a, it's like um, it's a little bit like uh, like the, a game plan, uh, in, like a, like in a sport, like football or basketball or something. You're like, or or running through a concert or something like that. You're like, okay, I'm gonna start here. I'm gonna start with this song. Then we're gonna go to that song. Then we're gonna do that song. Gonna, it's the same thing. It's like, hey. Mm -hmm. We're talking. I'm talking to my crew and my assistants, or and and or if it's just myself, I'm talking to myself, and I'm um, saying, okay, I'm gonna start on the, start on the black background, go to the white background, go to this corner, go to that corner. Try, ask him if he wants to run outside. Uh, if he doesn't want to do this, I'll pivot to that. I want to make sure I choose this lens. I, I you game plan it in your head, over and over and over again. You think about it and you visualize it and you you uh, you visualize what's gonna happen before it happens. And then so when things are happening, it's just automatic. Uh, if you talk to any elite athlete um, or performer uh, and you ask them what is one, and you start talking to them about their process, inevitably they're gonna talk about, um, about envisioning what they're doing before they do it over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, great story yeah, with Michael Phelps, uh, the, the Olympic swimmer who was uh, swimming uh, a, a race and his goggles broke and so he couldn't see and he was doing the backstroke and he still won and he won and he was all mad because he couldn't see and his coach was like how did you, how did you know when to turn because he couldn't you know usually when you're doing the backstroke you look up and you see the flags you know when to turn um and he was like i just counted the strokes i counted i knew how many strokes it was because i thought about the strokes a hundred thousand times before the race and i just counted the strokes and like he was all mad and it's the same thing it's like how do i have 15 minutes with someone it's because i because i just counted the setups and i counted i counted the frames and i knew that i wanted to go in and go out and um just meticulous like attention to detail uh and and 
preparation so that when it happens and you're ready um and it's 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 not more magical than that if anything that's that's the magic is having the the ability and the manicness and the the ocdness to to have the preparation in order to do it uh you can't you can't be walking into the even though you and then also come into the room and act like you're not like that because then that makes people clam up and get weird if you're all like super hyper anxious uh so so you know you can't walk into the shoot and be like oh give me a second i got to change my lens <laughs> it's gonna take 90 seconds you're like okay well then if it takes 90 seconds your shoot just decreased by 10 percent of your time right, right. Um, so that was stupid uh you know you can't be like oh my card's full i gotta change my card you're like wasting valuable seconds. Um, so you have to be ready for all of those scenarios uh, and and ready to know in your head what to do, when to pivot, when things go inevitably, when they go not, not according to plan. Yeah, yeah. Any who was it? Colin Powell was the one that uh, I think is famous for, for, for repeating it, but that whole idea of no no battle plan survives first contact with the enemy, right? Yeah. So, yeah, as you were saying that, I was thinking of that. But then the other side of it, I've, re I've read several books on this whole idea of what you're describing um, is previs or pre-visualization yeah, of pre the yeah. thing that you're going to be doing, right? Just yeah. like think about it over, like literally put yourself in that situation and walk through the steps almost real time of, yeah. okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to show up, and then I'm going to go over there, and then I'm going to do this, I'm going to say that if they do this, boom, and just walk through it and practice, literally practice the whole thing in your head mentally. And then when you're there, it's a little easier. Sure, there are going to be differences, but you've already practiced. So you're good yeah. to go versus just dropping I, behind enemy lines and like, okay, figure it out. Right. <laughs> and now that you say that I, I do that with non, with non celebrities. I mean, I, I do, I take pictures all the time of portraits of people all the time. And I, I try to, I try to put them into similar scenarios that I'll be in with celebrities. So again, I'm used to it. Uh, and I talk about the same stuff. I talk, I talk to, if, if I photographed you, Frederick, or any of the listeners, uh, if I photographed any of them for about 30 minutes, talk about the same stuff and get them into, get them into the same zone. And that's how all these pictures feel and look consistent um, is that I'm not just waiting for, I get so nervous and punchy when I haven't had a shoot in a little while because I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm rusty. And so then maybe I'll just go photograph someone who yeah. I'll just ask to photograph someone. I, I you know, I'm going to do that next week. I'm going to photograph my friend from college that I haven't seen in a decade, just because, uh, like I was saying, we're doing a bunch of pre-production. I want to go into my next shoot having not photographed in a couple of weeks. Uh, so it's, it's all about pre-visualization. It's all, <clears throat> it's all about, you know, a lot of sports, a lot of, a lot of sports, a lot of, a lot of, uh, performance metaphors. It's about warming up, getting good sleep, drinking a ton of water, eating well, exercising, uh, being in a good place mentally, uh, trusting the people that work with you, trusting your equipment, uh, having all of the production stuff completely locked in and uh, down 100% so you can be creative and you're not worried about things messing up. 
this is stuff that goes beyond photo and that applies to anyone who wants to be successful in any sort of high stress uh, profession or activity. Yeah, yeah, so good. So much good stuff there. You know, the the other piece of that is what you touched on before. You know, I, I in my head, I'm thinking, crap, Jesse has like 15, 20 minutes in there with this celebrity. How the heck does he get in there and set everything up and get the shot and get out? But you're saying you have you have a, a significant amount of time before the the talent or the subject shows up in order to get everything dialed in so that when they walk in, you can go into that previs mode, right? How much time do you have? And what is that? What does that setup look like on a shoot like with with Dr. Fauci? Well, it varies, you know, it's a part of the negotiation is negotiating how much time you can have in a space before before the person walks in and it and you never can be sure I've had plenty of I hate when celebrities walk in early. Um, but I've had plenty of celebrities walk in early. I'd much rather than be late. Uh, and and you have to just go with what you've got set up already. So it, it really depends. I try to get two hours. Um, and and I really only need in a pinch 20 or 30 minutes. Um, it, it, it just really depends on some of these spaces never seen before. Some of these spaces I've never I've I, I don't even know what they're going to be before I I walk in, um, you know, with Dr. Fauci, I did some online sleuthing to uh, figure out what what direction his house was oriented for the sun. So I knew where the sun would be when I was going to be photographing him. So I didn't have to figure that out when I got there. Um, I also generally wanted to see like how much trees were. I just Google earthed uh, and kind of sleuthed. So I had as much of an, uh, because I knew they weren't going to send me pictures of his house. Uh, So I I did as much research as I could to understand, okay, it's probably going to be sunny. The weather, you know, the 10 day weather forecast, it's sunny. we're going to be shooting around 1 p.m. The sun is going to be something that I need to block um, and we're going to see it. And so therefore I can bring the right equipment and have the right mindset and and have a plan for how I'm going to light it. Um, and with Fauci to kind of get into your your exact question is like, yeah, I think we got there like two hours before we started shooting. But, you know, you're in somebody's house and you can't be this isn't a, this isn't a a lot of times people don't they don't really understand the level of of production that that I want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to you have to kind of bridge that gap between them thinking a photographer showing up with a camera and uh, Dimar showing up with a crew and a bunch of lights and <laughs> all this other stuff. So so even though we had two hours, there was a lot of like, pitter pattering. And I probably was like in his house talking to him for like 20 minutes before anything really happened. And, you know, we only probably pre-lit and, and tested for about for maybe an hour. Um, and, and that was great. And we, and he also gave me more than 15 minutes. It was awesome. He was so generous with his time. Um, I think, I think what I like about, what I like about subjects like Dr. Fauci is, is subjects who appreciate trying to give me the space I can to make the best work I can. Um, and, and when subjects acknowledge that, that, that they're going to do their best to do that within reason, that always makes my life so much easier. And he did that, uh, which, which I 
can't ask for really the two things I ask for that are wish lists of mine are that and and focus and presence, uh, a combination of focus and presence of just being present, my subject being present with me and focused on what we're doing and and hopefully giving me the space that I need. But I don't always get that. Uh, and yeah. so that's the real that's where the real money is made is uh, trying to figure out how to manufacture that when everything's going against you. I gotta, I gotta imagine that um, with some celebrities. I mean, we're in the age of the attention deficit disorder, right? And people are on their yeah. phones and Twitter, and especially a celebrity. I don't know about Dr. Fauci, but I'm guessing a lot of other celebrities are like, you know, checking Twitter and doing all the all the things. Do you find that as a challenge? And how do you, if you have a subject like that and it's a celebrity, how do you get around that? Is it just you know, you just kind of politely say, can you put, put your phone, phone down away. or what? I would ask them to put the phone away. It doesn't really happen. Yeah. Um, I, God, I've done thousands of photo shoots, maybe hundreds, thousands, a thousand, two thousand photo shoots, something like that. And maybe I've had to ask people to put their phone away like, like less than a handful of times. Okay. Um, I think that the big, the bigger issue is not like people looking at their phone. It's them. It's them being un not understanding what they're doing in front of me <laughs> in what way? Uh, you know often often really really big celebrities will be told one sentence an undetermined amount of they'll be so like i don't know if i'm photographing brad pitt for the new york times someone's going to tell brad pitt like two weeks before that or a month before that or something or whenever they first made contact like hey do you want to get photographed for the new york times and he'll say yes or no or they'll say or they'll say we want you to or we don't and he'll be like okay or no and then he won't hear or think about it um at all <laughs> and then the day of the shoot uh perhaps right before they walk in to the room they'll be like okay this is the new york times in there uh, the photographer, uh, we don't, we don't, I think it's his, we think his name is Jesse and, uh, he's got 10 minutes and go. <laughs> wow. And like, that's what you're doing. Uh, so, so, so the biggest challenge in those situations is like getting someone on board with what I want to accomplish, yeah. which is basically fresh news to them, even though I've been thinking about it for intent intensely for for however long i've known about it uh so that 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 their focus and attention and in in getting them into the space in which i am in and which i want them to operate in is definitely a, a priority and more difficult than them looking at their phone uh, i mean if it's all only a problem with the phone uh, i can just tell them to put the phone away usually it's a bigger problem than that it's their yeah. it's their general attention and and you know this this whole interview we've been talking about just everything but the actual photographing of the subject, right? The sure. F-stop, shutter speeds, the lenses, yeah. what camera body, what lights you're bringing, how many C-stands. That stuff needs to be automatic, Frederick. You can't, right? That, that, stuff, that stuff is learned in the years, the years between my ages of 16 and 27, when I first, I first my career really started at 27. So for 11 years, it was about that. Yeah. 11 years, it was about figuring out what cameras I like, what lenses I like, what 
what focal lengths I like, what f-stops I like, what depths of fields I like, what speeds of film I like, um, what happens when I do this shoot at a 60th of a second, what happens when I do this shoot as a 250th of a second, um, what, what happens if we're outside, if we're inside, if it's early, if it's late, if it's night, if it's, if it's sunny, if it's cloudy, uh, the, this is 11 years of practicing that and, and me being like, I get it. Why won't someone ask me to take a picture of someone who matters? Not, not to say anyone who I took a picture of before 2014 doesn't matter. I took plenty of amazing pictures that, that I really value, but, um, but the 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 craft needs none of this is relevant without the craft if you can't take a good picture if you don't know how to use the lenses if you don't know how to use the cameras if you don't have a if you don't have good taste for tone and color and uh and exposure and just visual just visual good taste none of this matters it won't work uh and and that's a harsh reality but it's something that can be learned if yeah. you practice for a decade yeah and it, yeah for a decade that's the thing that i wanted to get to it's 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 yeah of course it's learned but yeah the time that it takes to internalize it and make it second nature because you know all this other complexity that we talked about before on top of all the just the foregone conclusion of you being a talented photographer right that's the the bedrock and then on top of that is the i guess the psychological side of it you know engaging with your subject getting the shot you want not appearing like a nervous wreck when you're in front of this person and being courteous inside of this person's house and what does that look like and all the things it seems like that's another decade on top of that to sort of internalize well, that learning them both at the same time uh yeah. for for me uh that was one of the beautiful things about assisting i loved assisting so much uh i i got to i got to go into the same thing into these people's homes but not it not be on my shoulders uh if the pictures were bad <laughs> you know i was obviously i was i had to be a good and help and helpful and help make the best pictures possible but at the end of the day i was able to just be able to learn so much and and see what worked and more importantly i loved working for photographers that were bad because i could see what wouldn't work yeah. and i'd be like oh man don't do that uh and that that was almost as in as as valuable as working for annie to see what she does so well um it, it both 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 were super valuable um it's you know, this is uh, it's a it's a long, long process, and it's a process that's better started as soon as possible, uh, and and it's a process that does does take both technical skill and I don't want to say you have to be personable because I've worked with a couple of photographers who don't say much and aren't very personable but take amazing photographs. Yeah. Uh, so so it's not necessarily that you have to be likable or something like that. It's just that you have to, you have to know what your, what your presence as a person is going to put the, the person you're in front of in. And yeah. so if you're going to be weird then the pictures are probably going to be weird, but weird pictures are good. I love Chris Buck's pictures. They're great. Uh, they're weird. He's weird yeah. uh, in a good way. Yeah. I love, I love Chris. Um, but you know, you look at Chris's pictures, you look at my pictures, we're two very different people. 
Um, and and the same thing, same thing with with Annie and the same. Annie Annie is a celebrity. Her pictures look like celebrity. They define yeah. celebrity. It's because she's a celebrity too. Uh, she she's able to talk to these celebrities as true peers, and uh, and doesn't have to fake it. And so then her pictures look a certain way. Uh, and so you don't have to necessarily both, you know, Annie's notoriously prickly. I mean, there, there's a lot of stories out there of her, of her not being the most personable person. Um, but she still takes amazing pictures. So, uh, it, it's not necessarily like a people skills thing. It's, it's more of an embodiment of who you are and how that's going to make your pictures look. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the prickliness of uh, the legendary prickliness of, uh, or alleged legendary prickliness of Annie Leibovitz is is known, right? It's almost become like a, a thing and an archetype for photographers that have reached that level, right? Where you're, yeah. you know, the whole idea of the New York City photographer that, that walks into the set when all the assistants and grunts have got everything dialed in and the talent is already there and the photographer walks in and grabs a camera, snaps a couple of shots and then walks out and then, you know, gets paid $5 million to do that. That's <laughs> that is the stereotype and the myth that that people are attain are looking to attain. Um, yeah, yeah. The the whole that whole world to me is is fascinating. You know, just how how the jobs come to you once you get the job. Like you talked about the pre visualization and kind of planning process of getting that job nailed and then getting there and getting everything set up and. You know, what the, the assistants that and, and people that you have with you to do the job. Like you mentioned, you mentioned earlier that you may be on a job alone. You may be a solo operator or you may have a crew with you. Right. What is yeah. what is what is what determines that that breakdown? Is it the size well, is it the budget? Like what what's the determination? Any and all of the above. Mm. Um, the scenario, yeah. uh, you know, I'm photographing a journalist tomorrow and we're riding around in a car uh, and and it's for a magazine and their budget's really low. And so it's like, not only do I not have, I don't have enough space to bring someone. Um, now, if I was Annie and it was an ad or something, then yeah, I could pick a couple of places to have some crews set up to go take some portraits in some predetermined spots. Yeah. Uh, but that's just not the vibe of the shoot. Uh, so being flexible um, and also knowing what you need to accomplish. I'm going to have all day tomorrow uh, to shoot. So the more time I have, the less people I need usually. Uh, if I have a really short amount of time and and the, the, the visual ambitions are large, got to have a lot of people, got to have a lot of equipment to pull it off uh, or the pictures is going to look a certain way. Uh, you know, I can tell when tough pictures are taken with just one or two people around and I can tell when tough pictures are taken with the proper amount of crew. You can just tell by looking at them. Uh, so it just, it just really depends. Uh, for, for me personally, I try to keep my personal work, uh, the film work that I love to do, the, the close, intimate portraits, black and white that I like to take. I, I like that to be accessible, whether I'm there alone or whether, I have a crew of 30 people, which has happened before. Uh, so I like to be able to make sure I can accomplish my, my personal work in a variety of uh, different scenarios. 
But as far as getting a client an image that they need, uh, then you have to start figuring out what are the necessities in order for you to be able to accomplish that. So here, here's the final final uh, wrap up question here. When's the book coming out? When are you going to write ah, a book about how well, we to have do all one. this? <laughs> well, um, if you follow me on Instagram, uh, I, I often talk about my process uh, and kind of the, the process. I, I also answer a lot of questions. Uh, I, I'm an open book as far as my process. Uh, I, again, uh, no one's going to be able to take pictures just like me because there's no one who is me when I'm there. And that has so much to do with it. Just like I said, with Annie and with Chris and with every other photographer, uh, you bring a certain, if you, if you can embody the, and every other good photographer, you, 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 if you embody yourself and lean into who you are, then that will come out in your work. Uh, and so, uh, so then therefore your work will be unique because you are unique. Um, but uh, as far as books goes, um, I had a, I have a, I had a book that's sold out now. Uh, it was my first two years of portraits and stories about uh, stories behind the portraits. And I'm actually currently working on my next book, uh, which is likely to hit in uh, in next year in 2023. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. The uh, the uniqueness of you. Right. We're kind of like. I look at photographers as, you know, we didn't even get to the whole NFT topic, but the yeah. photographers are like non-fungible talent, right? They're the <laughs> NFTs because there's only one you. You and I could shoot the same thing standing in the same spot with the same lens and the same camera body, and it's going to look completely different, right? So It could, um, and especially, I think, especially when you get to a certain level. Um, you know, there there is a level where, where and when you begin shooting uh or you're or you're a young shooter or an inexperienced shooter uh you're gonna lean a lot on the tools and how how pre predetermined software and hardware is going to help make the pictures you want to make look um but once you master all of that and and you're comfortable with yourself which is its own lifelong struggle uh that that's when your work can look as unique as you likely are. Perfect. Words to end the interview on, Jesse Dittmar. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. If people want to connect with you, I'll have all their link, all your links and all that stuff in the blog post for this episode, of course. But for the folks that are want to punch it in right now, what's the best place to start their journey looking at your body of work? Uh, well, you can take a look at all, all my work at my website. It's jessedittmar.com. And then you can uh, follow what I'm up to recently and interact with me on, on Instagram at Jesse Dittmar. Excellent. Excellent. And while you're on jessedittmar.com, sign up for the newsletter because that's how I keep yeah. keep tabs on what you're doing. I'm like, holy sure. crap, this guy just photographed Fauci. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, definitely the, the newsletter is awesome. It's a good way to kind of keep up with your antics running around New York City. For the Fauci people. shoot particular on, on Instagram, I got this post with my lighting diagram and and how I explained how I did it and and all of all of the secrets. I'm I'm no stranger in sharing my secrets uh, because they're not they're not they're not really secrets. You know, you gotta you, you have to put the work behind them for them for them to work. Uh, and then even then, you know, like we belabored. Uh, but yeah, there's some cool stuff about the Fauci shoot on Instagram already. 
All right, my friend, have a good rest of your day. And uh, yeah, I'll be in touch. It was awesome, Frederick. Thanks for having me again. This is Twitter.